Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? The Galactic Dads Podcast, a podcast by Geeky Dads, talking about all things geek, dad life, I am the father, and beyond. Language. Uh, today we are joined by Terry Mayo, uh, the writer of The Wicked Righteous from Alterna Comics. Terry, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Good. I was uh, trying to recall the other day how long ago it was I actually met you via Twitter, if that's meeting, uh, and then finally at uh, C2E2, I think in 2017. Oh, man. Was it, was it that long ago? <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's been three years now. And I, uh, I do feel older. If that's any consolation, I do myself. <laughs> well, I was actually—it's—it's it's funny you say that because I was posting pictures today on Facebook from like uh, different conventions I've been to over the last couple of years, and the progression of uh, how fat my cheeks have gotten <laughs> since like 2016. <laughs> it's like, oh wow, yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, I—I I don't enjoy looking at photos from just a year ago. <laughs> like, oh, this quarantine's hit me hard. Yeah. But uh, that's great. Uh, you said you were talking about 2016. Was was that your first con? Uh, I mean, it's, I think that's the first one that I was like paneling on and, and exhibiting on. I've been going to conventions probably since the late 90s. The, the first San Diego Comic Con I attended was I just walked up and walked in the front door. I mean, I didn't even know what it was. I was straight off the bus from Texas. and What? I, yeah, I was like, what is this? What is this coolness going on? So took me and the kids down there and we just walked in and like walking up and down the, the halls and like Guar was like walking up and down one of the aisles and like Rob Van Dam, the wrestler like stopped and took a picture. And it was just so surreal compared to what it is now. Like it, none of, none of what happened like in 98, 99 would happen now. So it, it, it was, it was a different atmosphere. Different for sure. I mean, I finally just got tickets for this year's show to go for my first time. And, uh, you know, stuff happens. So hopefully next year's still good. But I can't imagine. I, I think anyone who goes now could not imagine just walking in off the yeah. street like, hey, what's going on here? Can we check this out? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was so crazy. Just uh, And I just assumed it was always like that. So then whenever I – because I dropped off comic books for a couple of years uh, when I moved to L.A. and started doing, like, screenplays and stuff and got real busy. Um, so then when I moved back to San Diego and started doing comic books again, tried to do try to do just do the same thing and they're like yeah no there's a waiting list now <laughs> it's like ah oh all right actually i was trying to figure out like how long have you been into comics terry um creating comics since about 2015 i guess professionally would be i guess the cutoff there uh but i did like web comics and stuff like that um for probably about three or four years before that uh, just like posting stuff online, posting stuff like all the way back to, I don't know if this dates me, but I guess MySpace was the first, first place I put like an online web comic. Uh, if done properly, you can turn your top eight into its own mini comic. <laughs> yeah. That's, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, that um, also dates me that I know that. So don't feel bad. Don't feel yeah. bad at all. I'll try to explain that one day to my daughter. She'd be like, my space? I'm like, yeah, okay. All right. There wasn't even an app for your phone, I don't think. So don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Evolution. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that answers my question of how long have you been into comics? So like, like at what age? Can you remember your first comic? Uh, yeah, actually, let's see. My Well, I don't know if it was my first, but I, I do know that my mom brought home like just this bundle of like this cardboard box full of books for me once. And there's a bunch of comic books. And I was probably in the first grade, second grade, and probably half those books were not meant for a first grader. <laughs> <laughs> They're comic books. What do you mean? They're all for kids. It's fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but that's probably my first taste. And like, I just was reading nonstop probably until I was in college. And, uh, and then I, you know, I really got into Marvel when I was in high school and, because it was like in the 90s and it was uh, Tom McFarlane and Spider-Man and 
the X-Men series was taken off and then, I mean, it was in the cartoon for the X-Men was, so it was like just right at that like pivotal point where comics and multimedia were like, like meeting and merging for like its infancy. Oh, oh yeah. That, uh, that I got into that. And then, you know, one of my, my, my well, one of my first child was born and kind of, I was like, well, I need to put childish things away begrudgingly. And then, uh, it wasn't until like my third child, I was like, you know what? I don't want to put childish things away. I still like these. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, from an early age, I was reading What If was probably my go-to series. Just uh, That's always been one of my favorite things, the What If series from Marvel. and then, uh, Didn't read like the Alan Moore stuff, Watchmen and, and whatnot till I got a little older, um, probably my 20s. But, that's uh, probably for the best, really, because I'm not yeah. sure you'd capture all that was going on in that as a kid for sure. Oh yeah. I feel like it 90% would have been over my head and I just would have been like, Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) this guy's angry. Okay. I don't know. (laughs) I still find I I pick up new subtle things from that book, even when I read it now. So um, that's cool though. But you definitely, uh, one of the things we love on the show because we're all dads, geeky dads, you, you talk about your kids. Do you have, you have four well, I do have four, but I also have three more. So I have seven total. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, they're all all boys. Uh, oh, man. Oldest is 26. Youngest is going to be two in about two months. Oh, well, then that means uh, a very, very belated congratulations on lucky number seven. Thank you. Thank you. Because that is definitely since the last time I saw you. So very cool. Yeah. Very cool. All boys, huh? All boys. That yeah. is impressive. Yeah. It, I actually uh, have a boy on the way, so, oh. but only, this is only my second child and I'm, I'm, I'm planning maybe two and done. I don't know. Maybe some magic will strike and we'll get five more. Who knows? But, uh, <laughs> wow. All the, cool, all the cool people are doing it. Yeah, just get it. <laughs> I mean, I'm just scared of going on, le- on less than a man, man defense. So I don't know how you would do it with seven <laughs> on two. <laughs> Do you have pets? Do you have pets? Uh, I do, and they're all girls. So oh man, <laughs> trying to balance the force. I see. All I right. am. I am just it's my way of giving back to my wife. So <laughs> <laughs> she's given you so much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here, honey, the, the dog's a girl. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. that's awesome. I know that you have talked uh, in the past um, about kind of how your boys are a bit of an inspiration to you in your mm-hmm. writing. Um, and I think that's a, a really good springboard for us to talk about the wicked righteous, your series from alternate comics. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Love talking about it. <laughs> you should. I mean, it's an enjoyable series. I, uh, just was trying to brush up and remember the, Oh wow. It's black. So my screen takes it, but the <laughs> collected edition oh, yeah. that, uh, was from the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. So, uh, very fun and interesting stuff there. Um, I, I have to ask, how do you get to a post-apocalyptic kind of world to draw the story of these four brothers uh, who are essentially the protagonists of The Wicked Righteous? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, I mentioned I'm from Texas. So in living out in California, we've been having so many kids flying is like not that's just that's not in my budget. So <laughs> when we, whenever we go home to see family, we drive. And then that stretch between like outskirts of San Diego all the way through Yuma, through middle of Arizona is like just dead land. And there's like just, there's nothing. And so I would tell my kids stories as we drive, once we lost any radio station and just start making stuff up as we go along. And there was one night where I was telling them stories, they all fell asleep and you know how the creative juices are going when you're telling a story. So I'm driving and I'm just picturing this post-apocalyptic landscape in front of me as I'm driving and all the stories I would tell my kids involved four brothers. Cause at the time I had four kids. That fits. Uh, yeah. So it fits. So it was like, and it just started going from there and it was one of those ideas that I just couldn't shake. Uh, and so put it to paper and a couple years later, uh, pitched it to a couple different publishers and ended up going with Alterna with it. But, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's took, it's taken on a life uh, more than I kind of imagine it would just, because, I mean, it was just only uh, my only goal with The Wicked Righteous was just to get it published. That way I could, you know, pass it on to my kids and be like, well, this came from you guys, inspired by you guys. Just That's really cool. Yeah. 
Well, it really has kind of taken on a life of its own because it was part of the central reason why you were able to not only walk into San Diego Comic-Con all those years ago, but panel at it, right? Right. Yeah, that had to be kind of a a small dream come true. Do Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, no, it is. And it's, it's, it's weird. And I don't know if other creators feel like this cause it's just not, I guess it's never anything I've ever asked them, but, uh, but it was like one of those milestone moments where you're like, I've spent years coming to these rooms and watching people talk from behind the table. And my first time walking up behind the other side of the table and like seeing that placard with my name on it and like the writing on the back of it. And it was like a surreal moment. Like it was one of those moments where it's like, I can't tell if uh, if I'm faking it <laughs> or <laughs> at what point they're going to catch on that I really don't know what yeah. I'm doing up here. <laughs> who uh, who in security is going to pull me down? Yeah, exactly. I'm just right. waiting. Yeah, who in the crowd is going to call me out on my bull? <laughs> so, uh, well, but it, yeah. they do that on the internet, not usually not in person. Yeah, <laughs> they're behind the keyboard. That's right. The bravest. Yeah, but uh, I know I follow you on Twitter and I could see a lot of the things you post and stuff. So seeing you in that uh, moment was pretty cool. So I was like, Oh, he did it. And then I thought to myself, well, if Terry did it, then I could probably still do it. Yeah. So it's, it's nice to see other people, you know, kind of coming up a little bit, especially once you uh, have the kids. Like personally, I thought, Oh, I've got my daughter now. So I didn't put my comics away, but I thought, you know, I really need to focus on making sure I take care of, take care of her and do all the the dad things and that put all the writing stuff on the back burner but uh you know you had what five by by the time you really started getting stuff published six when you paneled is that right i had five when wicked righteous came out because i remember thinking well I, I need to add another boy to this story now but uh <laughs> hopefully not billy no 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 not billy. <laughs> billy, billy's his own his own th- I think Billy's more me than anybody else. My like oh. inner, my inner little devil. Uh, but um, but yeah. So I had like five then, and then uh, yeah, and then just things just kept rolling, and and yeah. You mentioned meeting at C two E two in Chicago, mm-hmm. and that was I mean because it is weird having those worlds merge for me, uh, like the the Twitter friends, and then like meeting people in real life, and you can be like, this is a real person. I'm a real person, oh. <laughs> you know, and we're meeting. <laughs> Or I'm like Pinocchio. I'm yeah. a real little boy. <laughs> yeah. So it's this whole thing has been surreal. I don't take it for granted at all. And you know, I mean, I'm I'm pretty laid back guy, so I enjoy every minute of it. You are, you are. It is nice to. Uh, I don't say this disparagingly about the comic community at all, but as far as creators, it's nice to meet somebody from Texas and not someone from like New York City, or you know, just across the river in Jersey from them, because you feel. For some reason, you think if you're not from L.A. or New York City, then you're probably not going to really write comics or draw them or anything. And then you start meeting actual creators and you go, oh, okay, that's not true. You can be from anywhere yeah, and, yeah. and do comics, which is great. Which I also think is power of the internet mm-hmm. these days. It's a lot easier to talk to an editor now than, say, in 99 even when you walked into San Diego or just a few years ago so it's a good time to be alive and still uh still getting that dream into the works you know right right yeah no and it's it's i encourage anybody who's got a story inside of them to like tell that story to put it down to don't stop until you have a finished product because i mean the only person person that's going to stop you is you so don't don't stop yourself to do it those are great words of fatherly wisdom as well. That's right. That's right. Son. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Okay. Um, I know that uh, you, you really are very sharing with all of your stuff. You'll talk to people on Twitter and things like that. Uh, but you also have a YouTube channel, right? Do Yeah. Just kind of started one and it kind of, <clears throat> I just started a gosh, a month ago, a couple of weeks ago. Can't it's, Time has fl- flown because uh, time also, is weird now. Yeah, it is weird. Yeah, I work in the healthcare field, so I'm a, I'm a director of nursing at a hospital, and it's just been day after day. You don't. It's it's just it's weird the things that are happening now. It's a once in a lifetime type thing. Uh, hopefully, um, hopefully, yes, hopefully. So it's it's draining to say the least. Um, 
And I can't remember what your question was, but <laughs> oh, Chris, but, but YouTube, but YouTube, yeah. yeah I'm trying to get you to plug your YouTube. That's yeah. let me uh, help you. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but I started the YouTube because of the COVID nineteen thing and not being able to go to conventions or bookstore signings or talk mm-hmm. to people in person. Because uh, I like more than social media is great, online is great, but I miss that connection of actually like seeing someone, talking to someone, having that kind of interaction. So right. the show, the show on YouTube is called Behind the Booth, and uh, get some creators on. We've had a couple people already record episodes. Uh, the first ish episode came out, and it had uh, Scott Lost on it. He's a former professional wrestler, and now he does comic books. Um, it's an admirable career. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. Uh, he sent me some video of him from his wrestling days. I was like, "Or oh, this." <laughs> <laughs> I can move, but, uh, like in my best days, I couldn't do the things he was doing. And it's, and that's cool. I mean, getting to talk to people that normally in in another circumstance you wouldn't get to talk to is really cool. But, uh, yeah, him and Russell Nolte or Nolte and uh, a couple other people are are planning on being there on there in the next couple months. And then, and then we'll see where it goes. But the the process itself is just kind of talking to him, talking to him as a person. If, If you were able to steal about, 15, 20 minutes of somebody at a Comic-Con, steal their time and just talk to them at a table. What would you say to them? That kind of stuff. And that's what the show is really just shooting the breeze. That's great. I've had a little bit of experience with that. So I can speak to it with uh, some of the other creators we've had on the show. And a lot of the times you're right. It's, it's just really easy. If you just ask a question, let them, let them get talking and just stand back. You're like, wow, you, you have way more ideas than I do. <laughs> like, like a lot more. So this is cool. Keep talking. Uh, it was especially that way for uh, Brian Edward Hill. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but man, yeah. that guy is, he thinks a lot more deeply about better things than I do. That's for sure. Oh, I was yeah. like, yeah, tell, tell me some more of your ideas. This is, <laughs> these are great. And then uh, Matt Rosenberg was also very, very cool. I was like, yeah, you, you're definitely going to write the hell out of Hawkeye, uh, oh, which man. I was in the middle of really enjoying that book and then production stopped, uh, yeah. but that that's okay. Cause you know, they're coming back. Oh yeah. Yeah. And both Matt and, and Brian, they're both, they're both awesome guys. And like you said, Brian can be intimidating. Just, <laughs> just his voice. Yeah. That's the first thing. Like when we started uh, the Skype call uh, just to do the recording, you know, he just came on and was like, hello. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> it's, the, this is like Morgan Freeman level of voice right here. It's good. Yeah. Hello, I'm here for a Skype call. Yeah, that's, that's actually pretty good. <laughs> oh, it's, but it is really cool. It's, it is one of those things like if, if you've never been to a con, um, then I would encourage you to go because it really changes your view of comics and how they're made. It goes from just being like this world that you can't get into that you can just read to all of a sudden you realize all these creators are people mm-hmm. and they're all just really into all these characters. Like, you know, probably you are too. So if you just get those conversations going, man, who, like who knows? That's where like a lot of stories even start from just conversations mm-hmm. of a couple of fans talking and go, well, you know, it would be interesting. And then you get that idea and you take it run. So uh, anybody listening, if you've never made it to a con, definitely go. Oh yeah. oh yeah, definitely. Got to go to a con. And don't even go just to go broke, you know, because man, you can really find some cool stuff to buy at cons. <laughs> but actually, like, start talking to people. That's where you make the real connections. Mm-hmm. I went, I went broke the first year though. First year I met you, that was I was like, oh, this is my first real big con. Um, really? Before that, I'd only been doing like small shows and stuff in St. Louis, uh-huh. and then. You know, I go to C2E2 when it's pretty big and, oh, CGC comics are expensive. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They really are. Even if you have a comic that you just want to get pressed and graded. Oh, man. <laughs> eh, and then you get small new addictions that start, like, collecting CGC books, whereas before I didn't care. But uh, So stay with I mean, good company. Grab the ones you want, but don't let addiction start. Go to meet the creators and people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially if you are a creator yourself and then not an aspiring creator, but a creator, like, you know, I'm, I, I hate using the word aspiring because the, just you're, you're putting a block on yourself. 
you're a creator. If you're creating something, you're a creator. It doesn't matter if someone else is acknowledging it yet. You're a creator. You're, you're making something. So if you're a creator, you got to go where the other creators are. You got to you got to swim that same stream that they are. So it's hard to do that unless you put yourself out there and start talking to other creators and letting them know, hey, I this is this is me too. I'm a creator too. That's actually uh, a really good way to move into my next question. Um, you said you had the wicked righteous the idea and the story and everything all together. How long did it take you to find uh, Lucas Romero? Did uh, I say that right? God, I hope I said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I hope so because so, that's how I say it. So, so, <laughs> so he is, uh, for people listening, he is the artist for The Wicked Righteous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Lucas, I actually I had another artist on first because I was going to go with more of like a realistic feel to it. Uh, but I was in Texas and we were about to walk out the door to go to a water park. And uh, he messaged me and he was like, hey, I, I've, I've seen some of your webcomic stuff and big fan. If you ever want to work together, then, you know, I would love it. Uh, So I started looking at his art and and as soon as I saw his style, I was like, no, I could totally see the wicked righteous like this. I mean, it's having to do with the kids. He has like this different style to him. It's almost like that. I mean, I'm not into anime or manga, but it has kind of like that feel to it. It does have Uh, a a feel that kind of flavor, if you will. Yeah. And so I, I was like, you know, I, I really, I really like it. He hadn't had any credits before, but that was, fine with me i believed in him and he believed in me and i think it was you know match made in heaven there because we're still pretty good friends and we still talk a lot even even though he doesn't speak english i don't speak spanish but uh <laughs> but google translate and facebook uh, uh, translate I, I was gonna say <laughs> hang on hang on a second <laughs> explain that so he messages you first right right and then the message is in espanol in Spanish and you, well, I mean, it translates it, for you it translates for me it comes out in English or what what it thinks he's saying right. uh, so I did learn that I had to cut off any kind of slang or any kind of like like any you had to speak thing. very literally very literally I had to, yeah so and, and there was one scene in the first issue of Wicked Righteous where um, Fox puts JC over his shoulder Yes. And in the script, I was like, okay, uh, Fox puts uh, JC in a fireman's carry. And, for, and and so I get the pages back and there's a fire truck in the background. I'm like, where the hell did the fire truck come from? I didn't ride a fire truck. But we left it because I thought it was funny. So, Wait a <laughs> but I, yeah, there's like a fire truck in a couple scenes where there's like supposed to be people carried on the shoulder. And I was like, you know, I'm running with this because this is awesome. Uh, okay. It was like a little inside joke thing. Actually, yeah. Okay, I see it. Like yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and I finally asked him. I was like, Lucas, why do you keep drawing a fire truck? And he's like, and he copied and pasted what I'd sent him. And he, and I said, no, no, a fireman's carry. And I, and I like took pictures off the internet, sent it to him. And I was like, this. And he was like, oh. So from that point on, I was like very literal. Every single word was exactly what I meant. Uh, and it, it, even to like in just normal conversation, because I, I, a lot of the time going back and forth, and he didn't tell me for about a year, but uh, I would say, okay, yeah, I dig that. Uh, and for about a year, he had no clue what I was talking about. <laughs> if one, one day he finally was like, what do you mean when you say this? What, like, what no. does that mean? <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, no, it means I like it. It's cool. I, I like it. <laughs> yeah. I'm- oh. I'm now I'm thumbing through the collected edition and just trying to count the count the fire trucks. Yeah. <laughs> they are there. They're there. They're there. And For it, no other apparent reason. So okay, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. And that, now. It just I mean, unless you know the backstory, you don't question. I guess because no one ever has. But uh, See, that's why you talk to the creators. There's always fun stuff in the back of an issue that you're like, oh, yeah, I do notice that. I just never thought of it. Yeah, there's, there's, I, I try to put in little things here and there just because they amuse me. Like, also in the first collected edition, there's a uh, one scene where there's like a capuchin monkey hanging out on a street sign, and uh, I put that there because it was like a reviewer or something like that who put, who said he enjoyed the book, but he wonders if I've ever read Why the Last Man. Oh. <laughs> And uh, so I was like, well, I have. So, <laughs> so, so you were like, we'll throw ampersand in here yeah, somewhere. So yeah. Put a little monkey on a street sign and just kind of as like my own little like, uh, so 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I wonder. I, I bet they never even picked up on that. Yeah, yeah, Their I story mean, they probably never saw. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, my wife, uh, she tells me all the time that, like, I'll say things, not, not inappropriate, but I'll, like, tell jokes that are way above the kids' heads. And, and I tell them as like little time, I tell her, I tell them as like little time bombs so that in a couple of years when they finally get the joke, they'll be like, oh, oh. like one of those things. So, so that's kind of what the monkey thing is. And that's what the fire truck thing is. It's just a little time bomb that maybe somewhere down the road, somebody will be like, oh, so yeah. maybe listening to this, you'll hear a bunch of O's across <laughs> Twitter and, yeah. and they'll come and tell you, I knew it. Yeah. And then I can say, you're welcome, because without the podcast, you'd never know that. Never know. That's cool. But the thing about ticking time bombs and little little things waiting to grow is uh, the Wicked Righteous itself from Alternative Comics is six issues, right? Uh, the first arc was six issues. The next arc, the Exodus, uh, six as well. We're on number, number four has come out. Five and six are on delay, I guess. Um, I felt a little, I don't know what the word is, but I did put it on hiatus, uh, A, because of my health, which I don't, you know, normally talk about, but my health had deteriorated a bit, um, and I'm starting to feel better now, so about six, well, seven I'm months. Glad to hear of, that. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. About six, seven months to start feeling human again, and then, um, but then right as I started feeling my best or better, uh, the whole COVID-19 thing started, and people started pointing out like the parallels between some of the COVID-19 things and things that I put in the book. And I was like, I really don't feel right about promoting a book about a pandemic. Yeah. An interesting plague in in the middle of all that. Um, And that is really nice that you said it because now I don't have to feel weird about asking. Okay. (laughs) Do you feel as, as this book ages, as the story ages a little bit from when it started, uh, back in 2017, I think the first issue was published, uh, to now, um, that, that's gotta be a little weird, but I, I don't think that anything in uh, this particular story really highlights, but there are parallels, right? Yeah. Uh, so that, that's gotta be a little weird to kind of see yourself write about that and see things start happening. And, and then yourself be like, do I feel okay today? Uh, cause in the story, the adults perish. Uh, unless they've met one kind of grisly stipulation. Uh, well, it's on the back of the collected edition, so we can yeah. say it, but uh, only people who have taken a life or who are children survive this plague or whatever. Right. Um, so hopefully we don't see people start disappearing like that. Yeah. If if we do, uh, I'll know who to blame. You call me back up. You're like, all right, guy. Like, Terry. <laughs> Terry, I can't help but notice you're still here, so you've done some dirt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my, I mean, cough, my cough's getting worse, though. So That's right. At one point, that was the there was somebody who was reading it, and I can't remember who it was, but I think it was like a letterer that I was like interviewing. And, uh, and she was saying that as she was reading it, what she thought was cool is that like, she knew if if the adult in the series was like in the flashback parts that I would put, if the adult in the series wasn't coughing, wasn't like showing symptoms that she knew that that person had like a background and she just kept gnawing at her. Like, what did this person do? What, what, who did this person hurt? You know? And she said, and that's, you know, ultimately things didn't work out, but, but, uh, but that always stuck with me. Like, uh, again, maybe it's the time bomb thing, but it's kind of those un, untold stories like that, that I, that I enjoy that, that I'm glad that the things, some of the things I write, um, people pick up on it. People are like, just as, I don't know if it's morbid or weird or what, but or just me, <laughs> just think something fascinating to you. Yeah. yeah. That's a good story though. Cause now I'm thinking about, I'm like, at what point do I meet characters in this book and just immediately go, what'd you do? Yeah. Yeah. Who would you do it to? Yeah. Although I do like, I really like the character of cross by yeah. the way. Uh, I think he's very cool. He's like quietly cool. Uh, at least in the first couple of issues. It looks like uh, coming issue five of Exodus, he might be a little more front and center, uh, certainly on the cover. Yeah, Cross uh, Cross has got his own little cross to bear in Exodus. So he's he's, he's caught up in part of the main storyline going on in in Exodus. Um, Yeah, so I can't wait for people to see where that goes. 
But Cross um, is one of my favorites too. I mean, he, he, he's fun to, they're all fun to, to, to write, honestly. Uh, Billy, for whatever reason, and maybe because he's just so bad. He's, he was, he's always a joy to write. He's the easiest one to write, I guess I'll put it that way. That's when you just uncheck your inhibitions and, yeah. <laughs> and see what comes out. Exactly. I really get, I, I like Lucas an awful lot. He's, yeah. he's very likable from the beginning. Um, but uh, I know just in the beginning couple of issues, uh, JC, who is the, the female of the story, or if you're watching a show on Amazon, the female of the species, <laughs> that's fine. But she's the, the girl in the story. And uh, as soon as I saw JC, I was like, okay, so what's going on in this story? Are those initials? Who else has those kind of famous initials? And I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And then uh, Lucas has like his rapturous type dreams, if you will. Uh, however, you want to use that word because it seems to apply either way there. Right, right, right. But uh, I'm, I'm kind of having fun thinking, you know, where's that story going to go? So it's fun. It also makes me realize that uh, when the issues first came out, I got them. And I actually got you to sign them. And then I read them. But dad life's weird because so much stuff happens and then you go to work and you have to remember all that stuff and you start to forget the comics you were reading. So then when I got the collected edition, I got to read again. I was like, Oh, I forgot how much I enjoyed the story. <laughs> so anybody listening, if you see a collected edition of some comics you read back in the day, go ahead, pick it up. You'll be glad you did. Cause you're going to remember some stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I did that the other day with, uh, x-men um executioner song i remember in the 90s getting like waiting waiting for each one of those issues to come out but never had like a collected edition of them but they were bagged yeah yeah bagged with like a little card and everything yeah yeah so uh when i saw the collected trade i just i swooped it up and read through it again i was like oh man this takes me back to like like this love that i had like it was almost like a an ex-girlfriend in my hands again. It was so weird. <laughs> a forbidden love of X-Men execution or something. <laughs> that is weird because uh, if I pick up one of those issues, it takes me back oddly to Pizza Hut uh, because <laughs> they had, it was right when the media swirl kind of started beginning with comics and X-Men started taking off and all the video games started coming out for like the Sega Genesis and uh, the cartoon had just started and X-Men were huge all of a sudden, and they were all over the promo for this Pizza Hut banner <laughs> when I walked in with my family one day. And so now every time I see like that old early 90s X-Men style, even if it's Jim Lee art, I immediately think, you know, I could go for some pizza right now. <laughs> I could go for a Bigfoot right now. I could give my can. Can we, can we get the stuffed crust? Can yeah. we? <laughs> It's weird. It's weird though how a, a a story or comics or something from a specific era can take you right back to a moment. I think that's a really cool thing that happens with comics. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel the same way, and I I, I know it can come off as like a like a pandering statement, but uh, I, I don't really. It doesn't bother me. I I do feel <laughs> like comic books are like the perfect medium, uh, just in the way that I read them because I'll I'll pick up a comic. Uh, like a single issue, and I'll, I'll look at all the art first, like page to page to page. Won't read a word, but I'll look at every panel, look at the art, look at what's going on in the scenes, just so I can digest it with one side of my brain. Then I'll go back and I'll read it, not looking really at the art, but just reading the story and digest it with the other side. Then I'll go back and I'll read it and look at it all. And, it, and it's a weird, I don't know what on what part of the spectrum that makes me, but, <laughs> but I do enjoy reading it like that. And, it, and it's a complete story and I can pause it at any time and I can read the same panel over and over and over and over. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, comic books are the perfect medium in my opinion. I have to agree with that because of how much happens in the gutter. So between the panels, um, I know people who read comics and just kind of see them, but don't really pay much attention to them. Don't understand how much work your mind does when you're reading a comic book. Cause sure you see the illustrations and the words, but you only see a couple of them per page. Or, you know, if you're someone like Tom King or uh, <laughs> Alan Moore, you're going to get nine on every page, yeah. which is impressive to say the least. And not even to mention the work of the artists there, but, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of work that goes on in your brain from one panel to the next to make the story move. 
Um, and that I think is where I have the most fun because oh, yeah. sometimes you can read a story one way, depending on your mood and you come back and read that issue again. And you look at the story a whole different way just because of the way you fill in the gaps on your own. I think that's so cool. And nobody really talks about that very much unless you talk to like Scott McLeod uh, <laughs> from understand comics and you've got chapters on it. Uh, but uh, that's definitely something I think people who don't read comics should think about and pick one up. Yeah. And then as soon as you realize it happens, you're just like, Oh yeah, this is really cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you're absolutely right because that it, if nothing else, it makes you one with what you're reading because you do have that investment because you are creating what's in between each panel. Like, like you just said, what, what happens from panel one to two, you know, that little gutter in the middle, that's all you, that's, that's what you're adding to your own story. So yeah, no, again, yeah. Perfect. It's a, it's a participatory medium. <laughs> yeah. Has that ever happened to you or <clears throat> somebody will come up to you at a con and say, Hey, I love this story. Uh, what made you want to do this with this character? And then you say, that's not what I at all did with that character. Like, do you have people get way different interpretations of the story than what you think you think you put on paper? Uh, yeah. Every once in a while I do, I, I, I get like, um, and, and I don't know where that comes from. I guess it's more, I guess, you know, a, like we were just talking about what goes in between the gutters, uh, is the stuff that they brought to that book, their, their, their own, background that they brought to that story that led them in the direction of reading it the way they read it kind of like you can't interpret someone's voice through text you know they're interpreting the bubbles in their own way um so i just usually just nod i'm like oh that's a that's a cool take on it yeah no that's really cool that's that's um, really cool you're wrong but that was really cool <laughs> I, I, mean, I, kid, <laughs> I kid i kid i would never <laughs> you're absolutely wrong and don't ever talk yeah. to me again but the, my god my god how let me just give you your money back. Just get out of here. <laughs> if I could take back my signature, I would. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's their, it's their story just as much as it is mine. You know, I mean, the story I wrote, I wrote for my own reasons, and I'm writing for my own reasons. But once it's out there, it's, it's, it's your story, Brent. It's everybody's story. So it's whoever reads it, it's, it's, it's whatever they want to make it. That is very cool because it's very true. Uh, when I was in my writing classes, I would write a story. And then of course you do your, like your group read or whatever. And then everybody would start asking questions. I was like, where are you getting that? Cause that is <laughs> not what I wrote down. But uh, I mean, it's, it's the fun. It's the fun of creating things and seeing other people read them. Um, that for me is my favorite part. Uh, but for you, I think you mentioned this very briefly early on is that you created the the story of the wicked righteous for your kids. Like, you know, once it got published, you're like, that's, it was kind of the goal so that they would have that to look back on. Um, is, do you feel that they are really enjoying it as you had intended? Cause I know my experience with my kids and what I intend, I'm just wondering if it's universal dad stuff. I think it's universal dad stuff. I think that no matter, especially in the, I mean, I don't know what your, your children's age range are, but I'm, I'm assuming pretty young, right? Uh, she's three. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. Right. So, well, um, yeah, I don't know what age they will appreciate it, <laughs> but, uh, and that's not entirely fair. I've got, I've got a couple of the kids who are all over it and they're like, you know, that they want to know, they want to know the story. They want to read it before anybody else reads it, that kind of thing. And then some, I would not, I don't know if they've even told their friends that I write comic books. I don't know because it's just not part of their world. Uh, and, and that's okay. Cause the way I envision it as I was driving down, you know, interstate eight on the way to Texas was that I will write this, I will get it published. It'll be on a bookshelf sometime. And when I'm not there anymore, they can pull it off and show it to their kids or their grandkids and be like, this was your granddad. This was your great granddad, that kind of thing. So that like, by the way is very cool. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm so sorry. I feel like I interrupted. No, 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 no. I mean, cause that, I, I think that was the, the journey right there. That was the point, you know, it's just, um, I wasn't writing it for three-year-old Noah or, or <laughs> my, my son, 10-year-old Noah, but I was writing it for granddad Noah. Father yeah, Noah. Very, very cool. Um, was there anything that you wanted to put in the story that ultimately you could not? Uh, you know, there was a couple things and, and, 
And again, I, I, I pitched it to a few different publishers and, and a couple publishers uh, accepted it, which was, which was cool. It was a cool feeling. Um, and I ultimately went with uh, Alterna just because different things like the money thing was never a big issue with Beam, but Alterna did have a better split uh, and, and the IP I got to key and all that other kind of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. But I just had a, I had a better feeling uh, about it uh, and it's, and it's paid off so far. Um, but, and for the most part, Peter Samedi, the, the publisher is pretty hands off. I mean, whatever I turn in, he's cool with, except <laughs> there was one, there was one cover. <laughs> this I is, I've heard this. I, you told me at the, the con and I was like, you got to tell this story. Yeah. So there was one cover for issue four. And I think it might be the, the, the issue where, where Lucas and JC have their rapturous moment in the San Diego mall. Uh, <laughs> and, and on the cover I had a, a nude, I mean, it was, I thought it was tasteful. There was no, there was no kibbles and bits showing or nothing, but it was, it was just, you know, they were bare skin and they had like the little China flag wrapped around their waist. Um, so I thought it was tasteful, but Peter was like, yeah, this is going to go into like bookstores and like, uh, spinner racks and stuff. We can't really have that. So, so I had Lucas, the artist, go back and put clothes on him, and <laughs> that, was, that was it. I mean, he's so so in that way, I got censored. But at, at the same time, it wasn't one of those things where I thought it was going to make or break anything. It was just an artistic thing that you know. Yeah. Yeah. I it's weird because I swear I've seen like Zenoscope books in bookstores. <laughs> maybe yeah. not spinner racks, but spinner poles maybe i don't know yeah, but right. that's a that's a different type of genre i guess yeah, i guess so yeah yeah oh i had a you know i had another question but that forced joke really pulled me out of it so i don't know <laughs> <laughs> really don't know where i was going with that one i thought it was going to be pretty good but i don't know maybe it'll come back later or i can ask you on twitter you, you can edit it back in. You can just impersonate my voice and <laughs> do a, yeah, right. I'll do what I'll do is I'll do my impersonation of you impersonating Brian Edward Hill. And we'll just see how that goes. <laughs> I think that's perfect. That is, it is perfect. Um, it's not going to be perfect. I'll, I'll do it later. And I'm going to listen to it. Everybody's going to be like, this guy is talking weird. I don't know what's going on here. Honey, the computer's broke. And my dad, my headphones. No, they're they're working. Dad just sounds weird. Well, um, actually, I know that you are still a fan of comics, right? I can mm-hmm. see the shelf behind you. Uh, what are you reading right now that you absolutely love? Oh man, I'm I'm so behind on stuff that the things I'm reading now probably came out a couple of years ago, honestly. And uh, and I've been big on backing things on Kickstarter, so. I'm reading uh, all of Charlie Stickney's stuff. So White Ash, uh, uh, I read that one a couple times, uh, and that was through Kickstarter. And I think he's getting it published through somewhere, but he is getting it published through someone. Uh, Source Point's been coming out with a lot of cool stuff. Uh, Skyland uh, through mm-hmm. Source Point, that looks like it's a pretty cool one. It's more like fantasy and stuff. Um, but those are probably the newest things I'm reading. Um, I dug back into and picked up a series called Rat Queens mm-hmm. uh, image. Uh, and I, you mentioned like going broke at cons and like finding new addictions. <laughs> so I got back into Dungeons and Dragons uh, over the last year. year <laughs> That's and dangerous. By the it, way. It's so dangerous, man. Like just, it's like, and I've got one of those personalities where it's like, it's like an all or nothing type personality. Yeah, if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it all the way. Right? Do it right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, babe, I miss conventions, so I'm just gonna start a YouTube channel. <laughs> it's like, oh wait, what? What? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I started playing Dungeons and Dragons, and like, just about every book is up there. But so Rat Queens, I picked up. Um, what else is what? What else am I reading? Uh, I, I've started reading uh, Christy Shin stuff. Uh, I don't know if I, is this an all ages show? I don't know if I, actually most of it uh, goes, we even cover with the explicit label because uh, okay. in the typical episodes, we, we have beers and, and talk like dads. So you're, okay. you're safe. Right. Yeah. Good. Well, her book is called demon bitch and it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it, you know, it's, it's a, it's like an avant garde version of a comic book and I love it. That is awesome. It's so, it's so cool. Uh, Who's she, that by again? What's her name? Her name is Christy Shin. Christy Shin. Okay. 
Yeah, she just got through with the Kickstarter, but I, I've known Christy for a, a couple years now. Uh, uh, yeah, but I mean, I'm reading most of the stuff, like I said, is from Kickstarter. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anything I get my hands on, honestly, I'm reading it. Yeah, I, I'm the same. Like, if, if there's a comic book, I'm probably going to thumb through it in, at the very least. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the more indie stuff I've picked up lately. Uh, and shamefully, I I can't recall. Um, but uh, I have been really thrilled by Donny Cates' take on Thor. Mm, yeah. yeah. That's just... It's stuff that you, you read and you think, yeah, someone else should have thought of that by now. Uh, but this is just much more cool. Yeah, I mean, Donny Cates is a, is a monster. I mean, his ideas that he comes up with are, like you talk about, You've mentioned before about talking to creators and you're like, oh my gosh, this guy's... And, and that's how I feel about Donny Cates is just the, the ideas that he has in his head are just... And how he puts them on the page. you know. And impressive. how he gets them past editorial. Yeah. Right? <laughs> he, he's got to have something on somebody. Cosmic <laughs> Ghost Rider? Are you serious? <laughs> and then it comes out and you're, you read it and you go, okay, yeah, that is cool. That's just really cool. But I would just love to be in that pitch meeting so I can be like, I just want to see someone's face for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still. I still make mine Marvel. So just about any Marvel book. Really. Main Very book. Cool. I'm, st- I'm still picking up, and 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 my to read stack is is huge. Like I've off to the side, I have a. I would say it's like an eight foot shelf, about six feet wide, and it's just nothing but comic books that I just I haven't got to yet. Yeah, I'm not really one to hide stuff from my wife, but if she knew how deep my pull box of to read was, there is no way I would be going to the comic shop every Wednesday. <laughs> she would say, absolutely not. But yeah, that, I think that's a very dad thing too. You know, you, your love doesn't stop for the medium. So you just pick up new stuff, but then you don't quite get around to it for a while. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, that run started two years ago. Yeah. I'm going to make a thing. I'm going to yeah. read that. Although if you wait long enough, which these days could be like four weeks, you'll get the trade from when yeah. the first issue comes out. So I don't know. The last issue hits and then like a week later, the, the trade is there and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. The series isn't even done for the limited series and the, the trade solicited. Yeah. Like, wow. But I mean, that's, that's publishing. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And I, and you know, and I, I can bag on it, but that's mostly what I buy are trades. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's more convenient. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I, tr- I still try to support and, and like buy some floppies every now and then, but uh, I'm, I, I gotta be honest, most, most of my stuff is, is trades. If it's not a collected trade, I usually am waiting for the trade. Ah, see, I'm still a single issue guy. Yeah. I like, I like to pick up the single issues because I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the speculator in me. I'm like, what if I get that right book and all of a sudden, bang, I can go flip it for like 10 times what I paid for it. Or, you know. <laughs> and then the silly thing is I never do. I just sit there and I hold it and I think, yes, I have this. I have this and people on eBay will pay me for it. But no, it's mine. It's worth this much, but you can't have yeah. it. Whoa. All of a sudden I turn to Smeagol. Yeah. My, my precious. Yeah. I forgot sakes, man. It's just Batman number 77. Calm down. Yeah. There's like a million of them. Calm down. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I want to say that's the collector in me. That's definitely not the reader in me. The reader in me would be like, okay, that was a great story. Take it back. Mm-hmm. Get the collected edition so you can see the behind-the-scenes notes and scripts. That's my favorite part. That, that's um, the cool part. You do say make yours Marvel, but DC really nails it with their absolute editions. Mm-hmm. And you get so much bonus content. and I, I think that can't be. Yeah, I almost feel like I, I uh, handicapped myself at an early age by like being so one-sided about what I was going to read and what I wasn't going to read. Like, I, you know, I, I was like, no, I got it's got to be Marvel. I mean, it says right there, you got to make yours Marvel. So, I mean, I, you know, hey, what can I do? Marketing but, works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it worked. So now, like, there's even there's some DC characters that I'll that I'll read them in the comic book, and I'll be like, is this a brand new character? Then I look them up, and they've been around since like the '70s, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. Oh my All bad. Right. <laughs> so just you know, I, I I love DC books and I love Batman and I love the Joker and I love Superman and all that. Uh, it's just not a universe that I'm as familiar with as. as uh, that's not a place you go as often. Yeah, yeah. That's how I like to think of it. Uh, 
But you know what, though? I appreciate you for coming into the Galactic Dads universe to talk with us, to share with us, to promote your book, uh, The Wicked Righteous, again, through Alterna Comics. How can people get their hands on that book? So um, Alterna has a website called Alterna Access. Uh, if you go on there, it's got all the Alterna books, so you don't have to just get mine. Uh, if mine doesn't call to you, then that's okay. Uh, but if you want mine, it's The Wicked Righteous, and the collected volumes are there. I think he still has some single issues available, uh, even though those are running out. So, uh, And then the second arc, uh, Wicked Righteous Exodus, you can get that there. Um, we're going to be coming out with five and six. Uh, they're going to be hitting, I'm not sure where he's going to be selling, but wherever you would get comic books, I'm sure that's where you get them. Uh, mm-hmm. and, a, and a one-shot coming out uh, with, with Wicked Righteous. Um, yeah, yeah. And then if you just are desperate, hit me up on social media, but I could hook you up somehow. <laughs> Actually, that's how I got hooked up the first time. You, <laughs> yeah, you gave me the links. You're like, yeah, what do you, what do you want? I'll, I'll send it to you. And that's how I got my first signed book from you. So it was cool. There you go. <laughs> um, arrived in a Manila, Manila envelope, and I thought to myself, it's the original script. Oh, you did send me that. That was one of the Kickstarter benefits. I got the script. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's all coming back to me now. It's all coming back to me. <laughs> it's all coming back to me now. Um, but yeah, so if people want to talk to you on the socials, uh, what, what's your handle? How can they find you? Um, all my social media is the same. It's all at MayoTL, M-A-Y-O-T-L. Uh, that's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all the same thing. Uh, YouTube is just my name, Terry Mayo. And uh, also he is killing it with the TikTok dances. So <laughs> be sure to look for him on there. I'm just kidding. He's not on there. Are you? Maybe. I bet I, your kids are. My kids are probably on TikTok. I know my kids are on TikTok. And they may have a video of me like snoring on the couch on TikTok. I have no clue. But I, <laughs> but me, myself, no. I just, I don't know. Eventually one day I'll, I'll do something like that, get an account and just try and out, uh, have more followers than my daughter. Like the, those are one of my small dad goals on social medias. But if you guys are interested to talk to Terry, uh, those are his handles for the socials. I recommend you talk to him uh, because he oftentimes shares great insight and will talk back to you, which is even, even better. Hell, he might even come on your podcast. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much, Terry, uh, for talking to us and uh, thank you everyone for listening. 